1: This passage from John's Gospel that Randy read for us this morning is one of my favorites in all of the Gospels. It's one of my very favorites from the Gospel of John, of course. Uh, And partly I love it because it is funny. And I can't read this passage without just imagining Jesus as this sort of very sort of like bemused Character. Jesus has been starting to gather his disciples. Um, Already he's gotten two to follow him because John the Baptist said, Hey, that's the guy, and they come and follow, and Jesus said, Okay, come and see. Uh, And then there's Philip who gets sucked into the thing, and he's like, Oh, this is great. And then Philip finds his brother. He goes and finds Nathaniel, and he's like, Dude, Nate, listen up. We found the Messiah. It's this guy, Jesus, his dad is Joseph, he's from Nazareth and nathanael's response is can anything good come from nazareth much less the messiah i mean like i don't know i I, every time i preach this passage i try to imagine what little like no good backwater miserable town and then i hate to name something specific because then i've insulted the people of that town but You know what I mean, like there are just places in our mind's map of the world where we think that nothing good comes from there. I grew up in Texas, and so we called that Oklahoma. (laughs) But of course, there are lovely people in Oklahoma, but in our mind, in my mind as a kid, like Oklahoma was where, what uh, can anything good come from Oklahoma? In fact, I know now that lots of good things come out of Oklahoma, but... So that's the kind of thing that Nathaniel's responding with. Nazareth is this tiny, unimportant, backwater town. And he says, can anything good come from Nazareth? I mean, the Messiah from Nazareth, right? The Messiah from Mississippi, are you sure? The Messiah, the Messiah came from whatever, you put in your own Corvallis or Eugene, depending, you know, whatever it is. And Philip says, well, come and see. And as they're walking up to Jesus, Jesus points at Nathanael, calls him up and says, here's an Israelite in whom there's no deceit. Here's a a transparent guy. Here's an honest guy. And Nathanael's a bit surprised. He's like, "Hmm? where do you know me from? And Jesus says, well, I saw you under the fig tree yesterday. And nathaniel has this moment he's like oh you are the son of god you are the king of israel and this is where i find it just funny and fascinating because jesus is like you believe because i saw you under a fig tree that's what it took Oh, friend, just wait till you see what happens when I get a hold of, like, 30 gallons of water. You will see greater things than this. (laughs) And it is an amazing moment because Nathanael is overwhelmed that Jesus knows him. And he's like, I just saw you yesterday under the fig tree. Like, this is the thing? The whole Gospel of John is just sort of filled with these moments it's one of the motifs of John's gospel that Jesus is talking and living in one level of reality and the people he's talking with and engaged with just don't get it they just are ships in the night they're on two different levels it happens over and over again this is the same gospel in which Nicodemus shows up one of the teachers of Israel one of the scholars and, and legal scholars of of Jewish law and he shows up to Jesus and says look we think that you're pretty smart we think you're onto something here What's the secret? And Jesus says, you've got to be born again. And in Greek, that word is a bit of a pun because again can mean from above. And so Jesus is suggesting some kind of spiritual renewal, and Nicodemus' response is, uh, how my mom? What? Uh, she's not going to like this. <laughs> born again? Huh? Because they're working... It, over and over again this happens in john's gospel and this is one of the very first times where where jesus is talking about one thing and nathaniel on another and i love the unspoken irony here not just in their conversation but that nathaniel makes this powerful proclamation about who jesus is and seems to miss the point he says you are the son of god you're the king of israel and jesus says you haven't really seen anything yet just wait. Now, at the end of John's gospel, we have the story of Thomas, who is gone getting pizza or whatever after Jesus has been crucified, and there have been reports of him being alive. The disciples, except for Thomas, are locked in the room. Thomas is out doing whatever Thomas is doing. Jesus shows up. When Thomas gets back, he's like, Hey, guys, I like Jesus is here. He's like, I don't believe it. Jesus shows up a week later, and then Thomas says, My Lord and my God. And we celebrate that moment of profession. It's the most profound confession of who Jesus is in all four of the Gospels. But we never talk about Nathanael's profession when he says, you are the king of Israel, you are the son of God. And it's because he's got the answer right, but he's got it right for the wrong reason. It's not enough to just know something about Jesus or to get the answers right about the scripture quizzes. Jesus says, you know, follow me a while. What I'm meeting is disciples, not fans. Come and follow is the invitation that Jesus makes to his disciples. Come and see what's about to happen in your midst. Because of the kingdom of God. Discipleship, the life of a Christian, is not about being a fan who has all the facts about Jesus' life memorized. It's about walking alongside him in the work that he does in the world. It's not about having the proper profession of faith. It is about living our faith from day to day to day. So, God help us, Franklin Graham has been in the news a lot lately. He is Billy Graham's son, and uh, he has, not to put too fine a point on it, sold his soul for the Republican Party, particularly for President Trump. Uh, Over and over again, he has tried to provide spiritual support for unholy practices. (laughs) Um, and it's a sad end of the Graham legacy. And you might have seen Franklin Graham on TV because he now has a lot of commercials on, uh, a lot of times during sports, I've noticed, so football games and those kinds of things, where he kind of gives like the 30-second version of an invitation to faith. And then he says, you know, pray this prayer with me, and they pray the magic prayer, and he says, now call this phone number. As though that is what Christianity is about. You pray some specific prayer, you call the right people, and then you're good. That's a lie. It is not how Christians have understood the life of discipleship for 2,000 years. Anybody can say, Jesus is my Savior. It's another thing to live as a person who is embracing their salvation and working for god's salvation of the world alongside jesus that are the great that is the greater things that jesus is calling us to see i got the grammar on that sentence all wrong these are the greater things That Jesus calls us to see that is the life of discipleship it is not about knowing the answers it's not about memorizing scripture it's not even about tuning in every Sunday morning at 10 o'clock to be part of the live stream worship or showing up when we can do it in the buildings and sitting in the pews these things might be important I'm not suggesting we shouldn't read scripture I'm not suggesting you shouldn't be a part of a worshiping community but the life of faith is one lived In relationship and in community, doing God's work alongside Jesus who says, come and see. Nathaniel has the right answers, but he's got it for the wrong reasons. It's like he was taking a multiple choice quiz and he just guessed B. And sure enough, it was B, but he had no understanding of why the answer was B. Jesus says, you'll see greater things than this. Because he's inviting Nathaniel and all of us to walk alongside him as he brings the kingdom of God into the midst of life and community. Showing people what God is doing in their midst. It is MLK weekend, of course. And I'm guessing that all across this nation and churches all over the place, there are lots of well-meaning pastors preaching sermons about Martin Luther King Jr. to well-intentioned congregations. And then they will close the book and put it away for next year. We love to preach about Martin Luther King Jr. We talk about his nonviolence and his clear call to the dream that he had when we might be gathered in, all together in a rainbow family, when people might be judged by the content of their character, not the color of their skin. But just holding up Martin Luther King Jr. as a name that we celebrate and not understanding what he was really calling us to is really not that much different than Nathaniel saying, you're the son of God, but not really understanding what Jesus was inviting him to see. Dr. King was, in fact, as you know, of course, a supporter of nonviolence, but he was not retiring or shy. He was confrontational. He was nonviolent, but he was not non-confrontational. He loved to put himself and all of the civil rights leaders, those who would march in positions where authorities and powers would be confronted and have to decide, what do we do now? And if we get upset about somebody kneeling at the beginning of a football game during the national anthem, but want to hold up Dr. King as an example of nonviolent work in the world, we got some thinking to do. Because Dr. King called us to confront the unholy powers of our world and to put ourselves in places where we might come into conflict without choosing to act violently, even in response to violence acted against us. We might want to hold up Dr. King and say, oh, he was such an example of what Christianity should look like when it puts its faith into action. But not many people are very excited about preaching the sermon that he was going to preach the Sunday had he not been assassinated. The sermon title for that following Sunday was, Why America May Go to Hell. That's kind of confrontational. Do you remember not that many years ago when Barack Obama was a candidate for the presidency and people dug out the sermons of Dr. Jeremiah Wright, who was his pastor, and talked about how he was always pushing and, and against the United States. There was one sermon where, if they said, we'd say, Dr. Uh, Wright said, we see it here so often people talk about God bless America, but I'm telling you that when we look at the reality of how America treats its poor and its people of color, God damn America. Well, people got upset about that. Because they want to hold up someone like Dr. King as an example without actually understanding what the, he was calling us to be. It has been the same from the prophets of the Old Testament to Jesus to the prophets of our own nation. It has always been the same, though we want to say, oh, we love the work that they're called. They, we love what they say. And we, do. We believe in rainbows. We believe in everybody getting along, but we don't do the hard work of discipleship, of repenting, of turning around, of making a new life. And we wonder why it is that the vision and the dream that Dr. King had has not yet come fully to fruition. Why we haven't seen the greater things that Jesus invited us to see that Dr. King echoes in his visions and speeches of who we are called to be. It's because we haven't done the work. We haven't walked alongside Jesus' work in this world. We want the world to be more just don't we? But if we're not willing to confess our own place in the injustices of this world, we've missed it. We want the world to be kinder, but if we're not willing to look within ourselves and see how it is that we sometimes allow for and even cause violence on our own, We haven't done the work that Jesus calls us to. We want all of God's children to be gathered together to the community to reflect the beautiful rainbow diversity of our whole human family. We want our churches to look like this. But if we don't understand that the churches have so often, and our own congregation is often a source of racism, discrimination, We haven't done the work. We might get the answers right, but we get it right for the wrong reasons. We might know what we want to do in this world. We might know what we hope for in the world. But if we're not willing to come and see and to follow where Jesus leads, then we haven't embraced the call. Nathaniel gets it right you're the Messiah, you're the Son of God, you are the King of Israel. And Jesus said, yeah, well, come on along and let me show you what that's really like. Jesus says to us, come and see. And we go, you are the Messiah, we love this Jesus guy. And he says, well, let me show you what that means when it comes to letting go of your privilege and your power, of being uncomfortable, of having to learn some words in a new language, a new culture. Well, see, yeah, <laughs> I don't know if we really want to get all into that, right? I mean, we just we want Jesus to be like a magic prayer guy that we just pray to, and then he fixes it all. But that is not the invitation that Jesus extends. Not to those earliest disciples, not to us. There are greater things coming, says Jesus, but you've got to come and see them yourself. You've got to be willing to walk with me to see these greater things happen. There is work to do, brothers and sisters. There is so much work to do. To make the beloved community a reality. To live into the beautiful vision that Dr. King articulated in his I Have a Dream speech. To live in a world that is more just and loving. There's so much to do. But here's the good news we don't have to do this alone, we have one another. And when we step into those places where God calls us, what we find is that Jesus is already there at work. That Christ is already present and working in our world. And the invitation is not to go and do, but to come alongside what is already happening. For the healing and the wholeness and the justice-making and the peacemaking in our world. Man, says Jesus, You were impressed that I knew who you were because I saw you under a fig tree. You're going to see greater things than this. When I imagine what life looks like for our congregation 18 months from now, I imagine a congregation with a beautiful diversity of faces and languages and cultures woven together as a sign and symbol to the world around us, to our community about what God calls us to, to our conference and to the greater Northwest area of United Methodist about what it is that we imagine God's life to be. It is people bound together, not because they look alike or talk alike or eat the same kinds of foods or come from the same kinds of places, but because God loves them alike. I asked our DS Wendy, and some of these conversations about funding for Hispanic Latino ministries, I said, okay, tell me, is there anybody in Oregon, Idaho, or in the Pacific Northwest, which is Washington, or Alaska, is there any congregation who is doing things like? we're trying to do because if there's somebody we can learn from we can partner with we can share our experiences with where not just that there are two people two congregations living side by side but they're really working on creating a multicultural bilingual congregation from an existing congregation and from something new that is being born in their midst who's doing that and she said you you God is calling us to see a greater thing than what we already have in our midst. We've already started this work. You know this. The journey's already begun. And God is calling us now over these next 18 months to do an even greater thing. And we are not alone, brothers and sisters. God is already at work. And God is moving in our midst. And we will find at the end of this journey together that our lives are richer richer and more beautifully filled with God's love than they are now. And that, my friends, is the good news.
0: Thanks be to God. Amen. Thank you for listening to The Message from Hillsborough United Methodist Church. Our senior pastor is Clay Andrew. Our pastor for Las Naciones Hispanic Ministries is Jorge Rodriguez. Our media ministers are Kevin Proctor, Janica Stewart, Perry Hume, Al Dietrich, Christy Proctor, and Dave Rose. Presently, our live stream of services are available at 10 a.m. on the Hillsborough United Methodist Church YouTube page. You can find out more, like us on Facebook, or subscribe to our YouTube at hillsboroumc.org. Thank you.